everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Me and the Gals. And today it's just me, your host, Rakardia. The gals and I have some new episodes coming up, so be sure to look out for those when the time comes. But today it's me alone. And I'm going to tackle the issue of unemployment, singing the unemployment blues. Those of you who have been very faithful listeners know by now that I tend to not talk about anything I don't know anything personally about. So, of course, I am again speaking from my own point of view when it comes to this particular subject. So, we've been through something the last two years, and we continue to go through quite a few things as I record this episode. And Corona was one of those big things. Corona rewrote the rules, not just on how we work, but if we work. And so what at first looked like a fun global pause, remember that at the beginning, we all thought, oh, this is Earth telling us to slow down. And though there might be some truth to that, it didn't stay that way. So what began as something unusual, maybe even exciting, turned out to be a bit of a volatile work situation for some of us. So this global pause for many, many people across the globe turned into more of a longer hiatus from work for some of us. And 2021, I don't know about you, but that was even worse in some ways than 2020, because now this global uncertainty just continued. And markets, people, entrepreneurs, organizations weren't feeling so bold about the normal situation or the normal coming back anytime soon. For me, that meant in 2021, because I felt Corona had rewritten the rules on so many things in our personal and professional lives, I wanted to try something new. So I left a really lovely job. I had been working for a spiritual center for almost three years, but I knew I couldn't grow there anymore. And I thought, if not now, then when, like many people, I think it's called the big resignation in the States, I decided to take a leap, a huge leap of faith. And I began working freelance again for a very exciting job, what looked like a very exciting job. Only weeks, maybe even days into it, I realized I was working with personalities that weren't going to be compatible with mine at all. It was a highly toxic environment. There were very few areas of control, if any, that I had to change my situation. So after a couple of months, I quit that job and I didn't have a new one lined up. Thinking of global pauses, I took this as a positive thing. I was like, hey, I've been working so much. Why don't I start or develop some more of my own projects? And that is how my book got started, which, by the way, I finished the third rewrite. I'm very excited to send it out to the publishers soon. But it wasn't a difficult time just yet. I enjoyed having some downtime and reinventing my work life in a way. But as the months continued, I did start to get a little nervous. I was like, hmm, so I'm not exactly finding work right away. It's not offering itself up, but okay, things are different right now. Maybe that's just how it is. And eventually I landed a second job, one that totally didn't match my, I mean, it matched my skills, but I didn't enjoy the work at all. And so after just a few months, that job also fell through. And now I did start to get worried. I thought to myself, well, this has been a bit of a volatile year. I began to realize this wasn't just going to be a matter of a month or two. 
And if you're financially stable, hey, you enjoy the downtime, right? As much as you can. You can take a trip, wonder about what you might want to do in your next career phase. But if this is looking like it could take a little longer, especially when you left your old job unexpectedly, let's say you actually got fired, then there might be a few things you want to look for and look out for. I know that a lot of these were really, really hard for me, but I learned a tremendous amount of coping mechanisms while I wasn't finding work. So I've divided these tools that I discovered, if you will, into four major sections. One is to take stock. The second is what happens when depression or the blues hits after a while. The third is thinking outside the box. And the fourth is how to get through those pesky job interviews. So let's jump right in. The first thing I did when I realized this was going to take a little longer was I took stock. I realized that I had been in a very toxic job environment, that I wasn't going to get a reference from that place, and I needed to make sure that I had a story re ready for that if somebody asked for a reference from that time. Turned out later it was totally fine and I didn't need it, but I thought about it for a moment and maybe if that is you, you could spend a moment or two to figure out how you explain this. And if it was a very short time, I don't know, maybe not even mention it at all on the resume. <laughs> maybe that's what I should have done. The second thing, maybe this should even come first, is to look at your financial situation. How long are you going to be okay with the kind of fixed cost and responsibilities that you have? If necessary, is there any area where you might want to downsize a little bit? Are there magazine subscriptions or other kinds of things that could be put on a pause for the moment? That doesn't mean you always have to go without your favorite magazines or memberships to stuff, but maybe there's a way to create a pause so that you're not sort of stressed out by all this extra cost. And this can actually be a very valuable time. It's going to be hard to see it that way sometimes. I'll get to that part later. But think about what it is that you know you're really good at. And write those things down. Actually make a list of the kinds of things you really love to do, the kinds of things you really want to do, and the kinds of things you're really good at. And if you're not so sure or if your list seems a little short because you're kind of more on the humble side, ask your friends. Ask people who have worked with you before what they think you bring to a workplace and to a job in general. And one of the most important things as you might start the application process is to not just blindly apply anywhere. First, I was very selective in my job applications, but as time went on, I started to get a little panicky. And so what happened was I started to apply for a lot of jobs where even friends were like, what are you doing, Ricardia? That is so not you. I think at some point when I was doing a 30-minute presentation for a startup that basically serves as a parcel service, maybe that should have been my cue that I'm on the wrong path because friends were like, what, what do you mean you're applying for that job? That's horrible. That sounds really boring. But I was so desperate that I just started applying for anything. And I can tell you from experience, if you don't know it already, it's not the way to go. You waste a lot of time and energy with people in job interviews and places that you just don't want to spend the next 40 or whatever many hours it is you're going to be working per week if you then get that job. 
And another thing I've noticed while we apply for jobs online a lot during the pandemic, maybe this has been going on for a long time, but I hadn't been unemployed ever for a sustainable amount of time that I had not noticed this, but there was a lot of logic tests I had to take, <laughs> which I'm really bad at. It's like this, these logic tests. A train comes into the station. You bought a red chair. How many cherries are there in the basket? That's what logic tests feel like to me. So I was horrible at those. And the personality test just insulted me. I was like, well, you might as well just take my astrological sign and employ me by those standards. But if you do apply for jobs where these just are part of the prerequisites that you just need to fulfill, then maybe consider getting a job coach if it's financially feasible, because I really think I could have done a lot better on the logic test um, if I had gotten some actual professional support there. So that's what I want to say about taking stock is to just figure out what it is you want to do next. The second part is a little more serious and I really want to get into it because it's something I struggled with tremendously. I've always enjoyed work. So when I wasn't finding work after a sustained amount of time, I started to get really, really dark thoughts and I could not handle all this free time or time for me to spend whatever way. It was just too much. I didn't like being unproductive. And I didn't like the isolation that this unemployment was bringing because now there wasn't anybody at the water cooler, if you will, I could talk about stupid things with. All I could do was apply for jobs and be in this consciousness of wanting, which as I think we all know, whether it's romantic relationships or careers or anything, is just a horrible energy to be in. So if the blues hits, my biggest, biggest thing is for you to get out of the house. Whatever you do, that's the good thing about applying online these days is you can apply online from anywhere. Go to your favorite coffee shop, hang out at a friend's house. I don't care where you are, but get out of your own house. It will help you so much. You can take long walks. You got time anyway. That one hour isn't going to make a difference, but you need to physically move or remove yourself from your house. And then also, while you're at that, meet people of whom you know have good connections. And really be transparent about the fact that you need work. For many months there, I was kind of holding it in because I felt a little bit of shame, actually, that I wasn't working, that I didn't have work. I knew I was old enough to know better. I knew not to define myself by my work. But what I hadn't learned was how to not define myself by not working. That was really hard for me. And so I signaled to my friends, listen, I'm really looking. I really need work. And because I hadn't taken it seriously myself first, my friends didn't realize that I was actually in not dire straits financially, but mentally, I was really hitting my limit here. And one time I just broke down and cried in front of my best friends and said, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm feeling really lost because of the global situation. I'm starting to feel like maybe I'll just never work in a job I enjoy again. And my friend felt so bad because now she realized how badly I was doing that she actually put in a few calls and got me a freelance gig to tide me over. So be transparent, tell your friends, tell your connections, I want to work, here's what I think I can do. Can you please look at my resume and maybe send it on to people you think are suitable for me? And while I'm saying getting out of the house, by the way, and friends and all that combined, 
if you can, if it's financially feasible, I was able to get super cheap train tickets to see my friends in Sweden. I spent months there, just months on end going there. They lived by the beach. I took the long walks. It was the only thing that kept me from a full-on depression was their company, nature, being out of my hometown, and being safe, feeling like there are people who love me and take care of me, which I think when we're going through the blues and even more depression is a really, really important resource. So that was the second part. If your mood starts to get really dark, get help fast. The third one is a little bit shorter, and this is where you get creative. So really think outside the box when you're applying for work. What are some of the Areas you've always been curious about and you never really invested because maybe you thought it was frivolous or you don't have time to invest in that. But what are the things, the areas, the energies, the people that you feel naturally drawn to? And look into those. See if your skills can't be applied to that area. And then I'm going to flip this thing on the head and say, also, be a little counterintuitive about it. For example... Back in the day when I was an actor, I was switching from acting to becoming a yoga teacher. And there was a time there in between, like one or two months, where I thought, hmm, I better start looking for work fast because I won't necessarily be able to pay for all my bills with my yoga teaching the way I was able to do with my acting gigs. And I took on a job where I thought, what the hell? This is what I'm doing now? But what I did is I started working for a restaurant. That's a long story. You'd have to go back to, I don't know which episode it is now. I started working for this Chinese restaurant, very upscale restaurant, and I worked with the most incredible people. I loved these guys. We had so much fun at work. It wasn't brain surgery what I was doing. It certainly wasn't glamorous. It was nothing you wrote home about or were proud of. But I was making money. And I was spending time with people who made me laugh. And from that job, that would take a whole nother episode. But from that job, I benefited so much going forward, both personally and professionally, because I learned a lot. I was hanging out with people. And I wasn't just inside my head worried about money. So I really recommend going the detour, taking on a job that maybe doesn't even look like anything where you want to be. But hey, maybe you'll do it for three months. That certainly was my plan for the restaurant. And I ended up staying for almost two years. And lastly, job interviews. Oh, those can get so annoying. I went through so many job interviews. I think last year I must have applied for over 80 jobs or 70. It was something like that. I had a list of those that I had applied for. And I was so tired. I was like, if I have to be asked one more time, Ricardia, what do you think you can bring to this job? I was like, I'm just going to puke. I'm just going to puke right in front of my screen in this Zoom call because that's how much I want to purge myself of this situation, right? But job interviews are par for the course if that's the kind of professional field you find yourself in. So here are some of the quick tips that I want to share with you because they really helped me. First off, I thought I knew what to say in a job interview. I'm like, hey, I'm a friendly person and I'm talkative. I'm both very extroverted and maybe a little introverted at times. But I noticed that some of the questions I didn't answer so ideally and that I should have actually prepared a little more for that interview. So what I did is I googled typical questions that might come in an interview and I prepared for them. And I have to say it was really, really helpful. A lot of it might be intuitive, but 
it can never hurt to just glance over those and see what people are doing these days. The other part is more of an inside job, the kind of consciousness you bring to the job interview. So a lot of us, especially if we're younger maybe, and I'm going to go ahead and say if we're more a female-ish, we try to sell ourselves in these job interviews. I flipped that on the head because I don't like that idea of having to sell myself. And I thought to myself, no, you know what? I'm actually bringing a lot to this table, a lot of job experience. I'm a friendly person. I'm a very dedicated worker. I know all these things. And if I know them strongly enough, then I don't have to list all of them like, hey, I'm so dedicated this or that. But instead, I brought myself into a place in these job interviews where I had myself think, let them come to see what I'm all about, to want me in their midst or on their team, and to sort of flip it on the head so that you're interviewing them at least as much as they are interviewing you. Another little thing I did, some people thought it was totally corny and they couldn't believe I pulled that thing. Others were like, wow, that is so great. At least they know right away who they're dealing with, especially in this online application era, is I send videos. Granted, I've worked in front of camera forever, so for me it's nothing. I can probably do it in my sleep by now. So not everybody has that same kind of level of comfortable. But if you do, if you feel like you can authentically bring yourself across in that way, I totally recommend it. I got such wonderful feedback from people saying, oh, Riccardi, that was so helpful. I could really feel what kind of person you were. I mean, if you're more introverted and not a people person, <laughs> then maybe I wouldn't recommend the camera thing. But what I want to take away from that is to try the unconventional route. These people see hundreds of applications per week. They're also just humans. They're also inclined to get totally bored out of their minds after they've read the 17th resume. So think about ways where you can bring your skill to the potential employment area in a creative way, a way that maybe not everybody thinks of. One huge mistake I made at the beginning of the application process, because I had no real experience with applying for jobs. I usually found something fairly quickly in my life. So what I totally did wrong is I came in at such a low salary that no wonder everybody was like, let's set up a job interview, <laughs> you know. And then I spoke to one of my friends who actually happens to be a professional job coach. And she said, I'm sorry, you said what amount? And I repeated myself and she said, it's way too low. And it turns out I was at least 15,000 below what my annual ask should have been, judging by the kind of experience I brought and the qualifications I had. She was shocked that I would walk into a job interview giving those numbers. I had no idea. How was I supposed to know? All my friends work in such different fields of work that I couldn't really get a gauge for what I should be asking. So for one thing, if you're female-ish, I want to say, in your negotiations, in your expectations of what your salary is, for the love of goddess, get some advice on what your number should be. My recommendation would be to ask your boldest friends, ask your male friends, and ask people who are actually qualified to know what you bring to the table so that you can walk into that interview with a number that absolutely reflects what you are able to do. Speaking of online interviews, 
they can be really tough. I had companies, because now it doesn't take much time anymore, right, to do interviews if you do them online, that interviewed me two times, three times. And I was like, oh, my God, guys, this is not brain surgery, what you're asking me to do. How am I being interviewed this often? I had to do trial presentations, a kind of homework, like I said, the personality tests, the logic tests. And I was like, yeah, I think we're done here. So what I really recommend, if it's geographically possible, if the pandemic situation allows it, is to try and get an in-person interview, at least by the time the third interview rolls around. It's really really helpful to get a gauge on who it is you will be working with and for them to get an impression of who you are in the flesh. I cannot overemphasize this particular point. Yes, it's great to be able to do that, but it's also incredibly impersonal and it doesn't leave a whole lot of room to bring across who you are and the soft, more intangible ways in which you might fit into the team or in which you might fit into areas of work within that company that they can't necessarily see from your resume or the online interview. So try to nail those people in place, in person, so that everybody knows whom they're dealing with. And lastly, I say this lastly because you probably won't want to say this first thing, first chance you get in the interview. Ask about all the things that are important to you in terms of, I'm going to call it new work, which is remote work, sabbaticals, incentives for employees, and just things that have now come into the workplace that employers are now putting there because they want good people and they want to retain good employees. So don't be afraid to ask what some of those things are and to know what is important to you. What makes a good work environment for you because it could be very different from other people and very different from what you've done before. So those are some of the tools that I put into place when I was having a rather difficult time finding a job and maybe to bring this story of 2021 to a happy ending. I did find a job. The first job interview did not feel like a job interview at all. That was my first clue that maybe this could be a good thing. And the second interview was in person. In fact, my now current employer insisted that we meet in person. Again, it didn't feel like a job interview. They didn't ask me for a single personality test. And it just goes to show that when you really go by one particular force, that can trump anything else that I've said on this episode before, which is trust your gut instinct. And don't go by a mental pro and con and be like, hmm, this is good, this is bad. That's great for like preliminary thoughts. But when you're actually sitting in the interview with these people, notice how you're reacting to them physically. What is happening in your body as you sit with these people? Not your mind, your body. And that will tell you so much more than your mind and the nervousness that might be in that mind at that moment actually can. I hope this is helpful to you and that you have a job that you love. And if you don't, then that you find a new one and be brave enough to do so. I know it takes 
a lot of guts to leave a safe situation. And there were times there where I thought, what the hell was I thinking leaving such a safe and lovely job? But I can tell you, because happy endings aren't often enough at the moment, that this did end with a happy ending. And that I do actually believe that when you know who you are and you appreciate what you're able to do, the right people will see that too. I hope to hear from you soon. Please write to me if you have any comments or thoughts about who could be a guest on Me and the Gals. Until then, sending love.